And we began that series, I Love My Church. Amen. Um, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing because the passage of scripture that, that, that intrigues me is that Colossians chapter one, right? Uh, where he says he's before all things and all things hold together because of him. But in that passage, in that passage, that verse also says that he's the head of the church. So when I start thinking about the church, I always think about the fact that the pastor doesn't own the church. Uh, he's just the under shepherd, amen, under the great shepherd. So if Jesus is the head of the church, why wouldn't I want to come to church? Uh, come on, help me somebody. Amen. If Jesus is the head of the church, then that means church should be important to me. Amen. Oh, I should make, why, why should I even make time when, when I know that that's where I come to get my help? Amen. Every time you come to church, uh, something, I believe somebody here today, God has sent you here and there's a word here for you today. Amen. Whatever you came for today, amen. I believe that God's going to give it to you. Amen. Because you came for a word from God. Now, our series began in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, historically, I'm just giving you some information, right? The book of Acts is the history of the beginning of the church. So if you want to know how the church began, you just go open your Bible. There are 66 books in the Bible. Amen. The book of Acts is the history book for the church. Right? So, you know, how many been, well, I know all of us probably been to different churches, right? But it's good to trace back to see, okay, where did it all start? And when you look at the, the, the church of the Bible, and you look at the church today, totally different church. And so what we're trying to do as a church is to get closer to what we see in the church. Now, I believe something. Here's what I believe. I believe if you love somebody, there's certain things you're going to do for them. Am I right about it? Uh, if you love somebody, uh, you'll pray for them, right? Amen. And so if you love your church, I started off this series that if you love your church, you'll pray for your church. Remember that? Then I talked about the last sermon in this series. I talked about if you love your church, You'll support your church. You won't hold back from your church. Correct? And so we saw the consequences <laughs> of holding back, right? The consequences of holding back. Can you imagine that Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't have to give. Amen. They didn't have to give, but they made a promise. And I'm talking to somebody here this morning. If you make a promise, make sure you keep it. Because it's critical, amen, that you keep your promise. Because he says, you're not lying to me, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. Am I right about it? All right. So now I want to move from chapter 3, chapter 4. Let's go to chapter 6. We were in chapter 5. Now let's go to chapter 6 of the book of Acts. If you have your Bible... Open your Bible to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6, verse, five, uh, verse 1. And if you stand for the reading of God's word, amen. So it, this is a very 
important passage. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, be on the screen, but the ushers will bring you a Bible if you need one. Uh, okay, let's see it. It says, now, at the time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint on the part of the Hellenistic Jews A complaint on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. If there's going to be a fight in churches, it's going to always be over food. You can tell this is a black church, right? <laughs> so the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, Is it not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables? Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Verse four, but we, the pastor, will devote ourselves. Tell you, neighbor, I need my pastor praying for me. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I want to talk about this morning. I love my church part three, but I love my church, so I will serve at my church. I will serve at my church. Amen. I will serve at my church. I love my church. So I will what? Man. It is an old adage or an old saying that I believe is true that only 20% of the people do 80% of the work while the rest do nothing. The average church engages four to five people out of ten in some sort of serving capacity. I told you the last time we were in this series that there's an epidemic today. That churches are closing their doors rapidly. If it's the people not supporting, it's people who are not serving. I want to want to remind you that when you got saved, God placed inside of you a precious gift or gifts. You have inside of you gifts that God wants to use. To advance his church. Here's the other crazy thing about it is that when God saved you, he knew exactly where to place you. It's amazing because I can talk to some people in this church that serve now. And if I were to survey the room today, they would say, I never thought in my entire life, come on somebody, that I would be 
doing such and such or doing such and such in church. Do you remember living your life apart from church? I'm talking about amen. Sunday mornings, we weren't thinking about church. And then some of you, amen, your parents, amen, they drug you to church. Amen. They drugged you all through your adolescence. They drug you to Bible study. They drug you to uh, 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 Sunday school and what's it, BT, BY, what? Yeah, all of that. Amen. They just drugged you up. You so drugged up, you don't want nothing to do with church now that you're grown. But it's amazing because that foundation has laid a path for your life. Amen. The question I have is why? Why is it and what's the issue today that causes people, amen, to not want to serve? in their church. Recent study says that there are several reasons why. Number one is work. Raising children. After school activities. Single parenting contributes to the lack of people serving in churches today. I believe that we're all called for a greater purpose. Amen. I just don't believe that we're called just to be superstars or movie stars, you see. I believe that God knew what he was doing when he had chosen you from the foundation of the world. I believe that the greatest thing you could ever do with your life, amen. I never I never saw it like that, to, to be honest with you. I never really understood. As a matter of fact, I didn't even look at it as, 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 as a task. When I got saved, I was so, so grateful. I was super grateful that my eyes, the scales had fallen off of my eyes and, and I was no longer in darkness and I, I could see the light and I could understand the truth of God's word that I was so grateful that wherever I was needed, I was available. Do I have anybody? All believers, I believe, are called to serve the Lord in some capacity or another. Not all are called, amen, to preach. Not all are called to pastor. Not all are called to teach Sunday school. But I believe that all of us have a gift. Amen. The Bible says that God has given us spiritual gifts. And I'll show you here in a minute why it's important that if you're serving God, you have to do it in the spirit. Do I have somebody? Do I have anybody here this morning who you are super grateful that you're not where you used to be? Come on, somebody. And, and, and if you, can I ask you another question? Uh, and here's a, here's a good question. What can you really give back to God? For all that he has done. Has he done anything for you? I mean, maybe just a few of you. Amen. Has he done anything for you? That you can truly say, I know that's God. Amen. And, and listen, and listen, I, I don't want you to beat yourself up. This is not a beat yourself up message. This is a message to hope you up. Amen. It's to hope you up to say, okay, maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but here's an opportunity for me to start doing what I need to be doing. Do I have somebody? 
It's funny because in the book of Matthew, Matthew 4.10, it says, Jesus said this. Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Think about that for a minute. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus was talking to Satan (laughs) in that context. And he even told Satan, he says, Satan, you listen, you, you got to worship God, but see, here's the thing. You got to serve him too. And, and in 21st century Christianity, a lot of people believe that it's just coming and getting my praise on. Hello, somebody. And getting my feel on and my feel good on. And no, I don't have to serve God. So the question is, if you're not serving in church, then who are you serving? Amen. The Bible says no man can serve two masters. Am I right about it? You can't serve money and God at the same time. Tell your neighbor you need balance. You need balance. You need balance. Amen. You need balance. And here's what I'm saying to you. I'm saying that, you know, some people are just extreme. You know, I was extreme when I got saved. Listen, I didn't want to do nothing else with my life. I just wanted to be in church because I felt safe. I felt secure. Come on, somebody. I felt, I felt like I was in a good place. Anybody ever feel like that? Listen, I was broke. I couldn't pay attention. I'm serious, man. I used to sit there, but I thank God that I had good examples around me. I had some men around me. I had a pastor who loved God pastor who praised and served God with all his heart. So I had a good example. And I'm talking to somebody here this morning. I believe that all you really need is a good example. But, but, but besides a good example, I'm going back to what God has done for you. See, we say we love God and we say we love the church, but when it comes down to serving and giving and come on somebody and sacrificing, it seems like the church comes second. We'll sacrifice for family. Hello, somebody. But the Bible says you're no longer of this world. Amen. Your citizenship now is in heaven, that you're part of a new family and that family is in the church. Do I have somebody? In the book of Acts, we find in chapter 6, chapter 5, you know the story in chapter 5. Chapter 5 was one of the most devastating days in the church. The first death happened in the church. All over a couple who conspired, amen, together not to bring God what belonged to him. Are you with me? Then we find that the disciples again are placed in the prison. They're, they're in prison and then they're released. And what's, what's amazing is, amen, if you look at verse 40 of chapter 5, it says, and as they took his, they took his advice and after calling the apostle, they flogged them, in other words, they beat them, and ordered them not to speak in the name of who? And then released them. I want to show you something. Verse 41, so they went on their way from the presence of the council doing what? Now, I don't know about you. The last time, I don't think I ever got a beating, but uh, let me ask you this. (laughs) Have you ever gotten a beating from your mama or your daddy, and then you talking about you rejoicing after? 
These are grown men. Watch this now. These are grown men who was just beaten. They had been beaten for speaking in the name of Jesus. But here they are now. Oh, I wish I had somebody rejoicing. Can I ask you a question? What would cause us to rejoice in the midst of suffering? I believe it's because of what you know and who you know. Do I have anybody? And I want to tell somebody something this morning. The things that you've been going through in your life, the stuff that's been happening to you is not really about you. Amen. It's because you've made a decision, hello somebody, to follow Jesus. You've made a choice that I want to live right. Listen, I'm not living all the way right, but I'm living halfway right. And you ever notice that every time you start getting ready to live right, all kinds of stuff start happening in your life. Can I tell you something? Press on. Because it's not you that's being persecuted. It's who you know and who you're connected with. That's what the enemy is doing. So he won't attack Jesus. He's going to attack you. Are you with me? So here they are. Watch this. The Bible says, so they went their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing, watch this, that they had been considered worthy. To what? To suffer shame for his name. Can I help somebody with something this morning? It's because of his name. It's because of Amen. You've made a decision. Amen. That you're going to follow Jesus. That you're being persecuted right now. That you're going through all this pain and suffering. But I want you to take on the attitude of the disciples. I want you to rejoice in spite of because you understand that blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness sake. That, that Jesus suffered for us. And look what he says. He says in verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on what? Teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. You know what Satan wants to do with this church? He wants to silence us. He wants us to stop preaching the word of God and start preaching prosperity and health and wealth and a message and a gospel that does not change your life. Do I have anybody? Can I, can I tell you something? We may not be popular, but we're relevant. We may not be popular, amen, but we're right before God. Can I help somebody with something? Don't you compromise what you believe just because everybody else is looking like they're prospering. Amen. And you're here talking about, well, I've been serving Jesus and ain't nothing happening to me. It seems like everything going bad. Can I help you with something? In due season. You better hear me. In due season. God is going to make a way out of no way. You're going to live your best life now and even when you go to heaven. Amen. God is going to turn things around for you. But if you don't suffer, how can you be trusted? See, I love my church. And because I love my church, amen, you don't have to ask me twice. I'm going to do it on the first go around. 
Matter of fact, amen. If I see something that needs to be done, I'm going to do it anyhow. Do I have somebody? See, when you love your church, when you love God, you can love your church. So we find in chapter 6 now, you know, as the church starts growing. So now, check this out. The church had grown by 3,000, 5,000, 6,000 people. There were a combination or a mixture of people in this church. Look at verse 1 of Acts chapter 6. It says, now at the time, at this time, watch this, while the disciples were what? They were what? They were increasing in number, not in maturity, (laughs) not in spirituality, but numerically. Now watch this. God wants his church to grow. And I believe that if we love our church, we want to see it grow. Amen. Watch this. I believe that if we keep supporting our church, I believe that if we keep praying for our church, hello somebody, I believe that if we take the word of God for what it is and apply it to our lives and we start living halfway decent, amen, the church is going to start to grow. Can I ask you a question? Who's attracted to you? Because you've been living the word of God. See, that's the thing, right? Watch this. Watch this now. Watch this. Church is growing numerically. And like anything that grows, it has problems. See, we want to grow, right? Every church wants to Every pastor wants church to grow. But he don't realize the problems that come, amen, with growth. Watch, watch, the, watch the situation. It says, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews. So, so here's the thing, right? They're, they're saved. But there's still a division in the church. In their mind, right, there was still a separation. Hellenistic Jews were Jews that grew up in a Greek culture. They spoke Greek. Greek was their native tongue, right? And the native Jews, they spoke, amen, Hebrew and Aramaic. And so the problem was because they grew up with this Greek culture, they, watch this now, they're Jews and they're Jews. Come on, somebody. One grew up with a Greek culture. The other one grew up with the pure Hebrew culture. And so now there's a rift going on. Tell your neighbor in the church. Tell your neighbor in the church. There's prejudice Tell your neighbor in the church. Tell your neighbor, you can find some stuff in the church. Amen. I'm about to say something, boy. Boy, I'm about to say something. I'm going to hold my peace today. You can find a little bit of everything in the church. Wherever there's people, there's going to be problems. That's why we have to mature so that we don't act like these folk in the church. That's the reason why we have to see each other not as for what we have, but the fact that we are all sinners saved by grace. 
See, they weren't looking at it as, you know, we're sinners saved by grace and here we are together. We're loving each other. We're, amen. We're looking out for each other. No, they were looking like, okay, y'all Hellenistic, we the real Jew. That was the issue going on where? In the church. And so watch the text. The text says, and it says, now, now they got so cold, right? Now, you know, you petty if you're going to hold back some food. They accepted the fact that they were saved, right? And they say, okay, we saved. We say, all right, we're all in the same place, but I'm going to get you back. Now here I'm going to get you. I'm going to hold back that food from you. Now notice who they were holding back the food from. The people who were helpless. Watch this. It says, because the widows, the widows had no one to speak for them. The widows who didn't have a husband to provide for them. Come on now. Tell your neighbor, there's some stuff that happened in the church. <laughs> I'm serious. There's some stuff. Listen, I, listen. there's some serious stuff happening here. Look, look at the text. It says, their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Tell your neighbor in the church. So the first thing I see in the text is the reason we should serve. Right. The reason we should serve. And the reason for us serving is because there are people that come into the church that have needs. And there are people who come out from the world who are being mistreated. Come on, somebody. Who are being overlooked. And the reason that we need servants in the church, because we need people with like-minded, who have the same mind, who can help one another. We're not here just to clap hands and say bye. We're here to fellowship. We're here to grow together. We're here to learn together. We're here to lift each other up. You may have more than me, but I'm not worried about what you have. What I'm concerned about is us working together as a church. Rather than overlooking someone who is less fortunate saying, oh, well, I ain't worried about them. See, but listen, there's a reason that we need servants. Because the pastor can't do it all by himself. See, there's a need. And the reason we should serve. Because when people come together, division happens. Amen. Uh, demonic, yeah. Satan will bring all kinds of demonic attacks against other people in the church. And a lot of what some of us are going through right now is demonic. But if I can recognize what's going on in your life and I can get on my knees and start praying for you and start saying, God, would you help brother such and such? Would you help sister such and such? See, here's the thing. What my pastor can't see, I can see. Come on, somebody. What my pastor can't really see right now because his job is most important. Now watch this. Watch this. Jesus says the greatest among you is a servant. The greatest. Now watch this. Watch this. With growth comes responsibility. And it's easy to be a spectator. Hello, somebody. 
It's easy to sit on the sidelines. It's easy to be that in that 80%. The 80% that says, no, nah, I ain't doing nothing. I'm just going to show up and get my praise on and go home. But if I love my church, I see the reason why I should serve. Amen? The next thing, verse 2, look at verse 2, and we're going to get out of here. It says, so the 12, so these are the 12 disciples, summoned the congregation. Notice they summoned the who? The, that word summon means to call. Gather them together. They summon the congregation of the disciples. Notice they are disciples. You know what a disciple is? A learner. We're all learning together. And if I love my church, I'll be concerned about my church. Watch this now. He says, is, it, it, is, it is not desirable for us to what? The what? In order to serve tables? So I see the reason. But the second thing I see now is the repercussions. But here's the thing. When I'm not, when I don't have the time because I got to go work a job and I got to go do this, you're being you're suffering. Why? Because I can't spend time in the word of God. Studying. Preparing to come out to feed you. Amen. When I got to think about, man, how am I going to pay my bills this month? How am I going to take care of my family? Got a daughter going back to college. Got this going on. Got that going on. You follow what I'm saying? Now, here's the thing. Now, here's the thing. I do this full time. And this ain't really about me. This is about the disciples right there that says the repercussion is this. Can I tell you something? Write this down. Write this down somewhere. This is the enemy's strategy. The enemy's strategy is to keep your pastor so busy doing so many other things other than studying the word of God. Listen, if you're going to sit at a church and under a preacher, you got to make sure that preacher ain't saying the same thing and recycling it every week. Okay, but and he ain't just saying something, he's saying something from God. Amen. He says, should we, uh, should we neglect the what? The word of God in order to serve tables? He's literally saying, so what should the pastor be doing? What should the pastor be doing? Studying. The repercussion, saints, when we don't serve, when we don't serve in our church, is, is that the word of God is being neglected. And when the word of God is being neglected and the pastor can't give you his best, then it hurts you spiritually. Are you with me? Can I tell you something? Satan will work from the inside causing divisions. Causing the preacher pastor to neglect studying. This is why I'm hard on the preachers to say, listen, you better be studying. Amen. You don't preach every week. Amen. I preach every week and sometimes I preach seven to eight times a week and I got to be studying. I can't be thinking about how I'm going to pay my bills. And if you are a preacher, when I was a preacher, listen, every week I was studying. 
And you don't want to pass it. Y'all, y'all for the last three weeks, y'all had different styles of pastors and preachers come up here and preach. You could tell the ones who didn't study. Am I right? Am I right? Come on, say. I ain't asked you to call no names. And you could tell the ones who studied it. Huh? Go on and say amen. Right. Anytime you sit under a preacher, the repercussion is this, your spiritual life. So you make sure that, that you, you're doing your part. So pastor, where do I need to be now? So that you could do what you need to do so you don't have to neglect the word of God. Amen. That's what I was to my past. What, what, what you need? What, whatever you need. You need me to pick up somebody from the airport. You need me to do this. Whatever you need me to do. Because here's the thing. As a servant, you're relieving your pastor so that he can do the main thing. And that is to deliver the word of God to you on a Sunday morning. Are you with me? Watch this now. Watch this. Watch this. Satan will try to keep him busy with so many meetings. And so many this and so many that. So, watch this. So many good works that he neglects the word of God. I know a lot of pastors who they're doing all kinds of good work. Going to graduations, birthday parties, this, this, this. And they haven't even studied. And guess what? When Sunday morning come, they're giving you a Saturday night special. The preparation for the sermon begins on Sunday night. And it is completed on Thursday morning. And it is mulled over and prayed over for Sunday morning. That's, the, that's my process. But if I have to be thinking about what color carpet going to be, what, 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 how, where are we going to hang this? How is this going to work? Where, where does the table go? And we have limited people who want to serve. And we're just sitting at home watching Netflix. Come on, y'all. Come on now. Come on now. Amen. You can make it. You can make it after work. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. Don't, don't leave me hanging. This ain't a money message. <laughs> if this was a money message, I'd take that. This is, a, this is a serving message. Serve God. I ain't got no time. You got 168 hours in a week. And all God wants is two. Two. Four. <laughs> Four hours. I say two, but four. Amen? You don't want to sit under a preacher that gives you no Saturday night specials. But if, but listen, but if he has to work a job at the chemical plant, and I know a pastor, he works till, I think it's like six in the morning on Sunday morning. He gets off, go home, showers, and then he gets ready, and then he comes. Matter of fact, when I went to L.A. and I preached at that church, the pastor told me he had to work and then get over there. See what I'm saying? That's why he asked me to preach that morning. But the point is, my point is this. If, because there's not a lot of people, he had to open the church, cut the air on. Come on, somebody. Do this, do that, do this. Make sure everything is set up. So that's the reason why we serve. Amen? That's the repercussion. Watch this. Verse 6. Here, verse 6 is, verse 6 says, Therefore, therefore, because of the problem, right? Brethren, I got two minutes. Select, uh, verse three, I'm sorry, verse three. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men. 
Now somebody said, well, yep, yeah, well, they already got that number. <laughs> I already know what you said. <laughs> I read your mind. No, what is it? Uh, watch this now. Of good reputation, full of the what? See, here's the thing, y'all. We don't just need bodies. If you're going to serve God, you have to be spiritual. See, when you're filled with the Spirit, you're not thinking tithe, you're thinking service. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, watch this, not just filled with the Holy Spirit, but look what he says, full of the Spirit and of what? Wisdom. So that you're making the right decision. You're doing it because it's glorifying to God. I'm about to get out of here. So, so the third thing is this. Not only is the repercussions when we don't serve, but the right qualities of a servant. The right qualities. We don't just want to throw anybody in it. We want some people, some men. At one time we had a whole row of men. I don't know what happened to our men. But I want to tell you something. The real man can serve God. And ladies, if you're single, you need a man who can serve God. And he can sit in the front row and he can say, listen, I, I ain't giving this up. But, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's, it says he has, number one, a good reputation. In other words, his testimony. That's what the good reputation is. He has a good testimony, not in church, but he has a good reputation outside of church. Hello, somebody. He's a man who's not only filled with the Spirit, but he's led by the Spirit. He's not only a man that's led by the Spirit, but he walks in the Spirit. He not only walks in the Spirit, amen, but he is baptized, sealed, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? There's something about a man who's a servant, I would say, that's filled with the Holy Spirit because he sees no obstacles. He sees no impossibilities because he has the wisdom to believe, come on somebody, that he who began a good work in him will in no wise finish it. And I want to be that kind of servant for God. But here's the thing. The Bible says that he's a wise man so that he can be placed in, 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 in charge of this task that needed to be done. And I want to tell somebody, I believe that churches go left when they put the wrong people in leadership. Verse 4 says, it says, but we, the pastor, will devote ourselves. To prayer, hallelujah to his holy name, and the ministry of the word. Can I tell somebody something this morning? I said it before and I'll say it again. You need a pastor who's committed 200% to being a man of the word. That when you go to him and ask him a question, he may not have the answer, but he said, I'm going to come back and give you the answer from the word of God. He's not telling you things that he thinks about. He's telling you what thus says the Lord. See, if you step up and serve, then the man of God can devote himself to praying for you. How? Watch this now. If you don't make sure that the pastor is taken care of, you need someone praying for you. 
And when that man can't really sit down and meditate and pray for you because he's so worried about how he's going to take care of his business and his life, guess what? It affects you. So the last thing is this, not only the right qualities of a servant, but lastly, the relief when you serve. The relief is this. He prays for you. He he intercedes for you. He can spend time in the word so that he can present to you God's word in its purest form. But it all depends on you. I thank God that I have not allowed the lack of serving in our church to cause me to stop praying for you. To cause me to stop really devoting myself to the word of God. Listen to this. Serving God is the greatest thing you'll ever do with your life. It's a true statement. It's more blessed to give than to receive. If we, if you were to stop and ask a person for directions, you ever notice whenever you stop and ask a person for direction, they go out of their way to give you more information than you asked for? You ever notice that it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what color they are, it doesn't matter where you, what city you're in. If you stop, you say, hey, can you tell me? How? Yeah, well, you go here, and then you're going to see this, and they go all out the way, right? Can I tell you something? When it comes to our church, we should be just as eager to serve. We should be just as eager. Listen, saints, and I'm speaking division. Listen to me real good. This week will be a change for the rest of our lives in the life of this church. We need servants. We need servants, people who will step up and serve. I didn't ask you for a dollar. I asked you if you love your church, amen, you'll serve your church, amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise.